We're looking for two oil boys who can grease us up before each competition. You do the thing you're scared shitless of, and you get the courage after you do it. That's the way it works. That's the dumbass way to work. It should be the other way around. You'll have to excuse my friend. The town is back that way. You should make a radical change in your lifestyle. I mean, the core of man's spirit comes from new experiences. That's the way it works. Don't worry, we'll catch our break too. Just gotta keep our eyes open. Hello, and welcome to Back Like Jordan, episode number 45 of the Looks Like We're Lost podcast. I am Dustin Redazel, and joining me, he's using the exact same minted Christmas card template as I am. It's Tommy Cooksey. Oh, thank you. And by I'm using it, we should both clarify that our wives are using it and we gave it the thumbs up. Annie does a really good Big job of, up. she knows that um, too many options kind of gets me overwhelmed. So she usually whittles it down to two and just gives me the A-B testing. She's like, just pick the one you like the best. <laughs> and Have you ever cut somebody from the Christmas card list? No, but I have capped it. Actually, but but you know, it's it's funny, the Christmas card list. It's funny. Last year, I was real cynical about sending out Christmas cards. I'm like, why do we it's so much money? Why do we send these things out, man? I'm not that way anymore. Like the Grinch, I just my heart's grown. And I'm like I, I felt really joyous writing. I don't I think I did like 30 or 40 addresses. I was really happy about it. Nice. I was imagining people opening the card that I'm sending them of a picture of me and my happy family saying, that's a nice, that's a nice looking family on some, on some wonderful card stock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a, it's a nice touch. Katie does this thing where she like hangs them up on a, like a string with tiny little clothespins over one of the openings between our family room and our kitchen. And yeah. as you see them pile up, it does make the the time feel a little bit more full. And mm-hmm. like you know that all these other families are out there also enjoying the season because they went through the effort to to put the, put the card together. Yeah. Yeah. So so yeah, I'm it's all about to say I'm in on Christmas cards. If you want to send us one, please do. I love it. Love a Christmas card. So today we uh, got a short, by our standards, yep. episode. We are going to do a top 10 Christmas songs movie draft. Uh, one of us will go, the other one will go, until uh, we have 10. For the record, I thought we were doing top five, so I'm going to be winging it in my late rounds like taking flyers. Only if we have overlap, and I'll, I'll be interested. I'll be surprised. I only went to. I only spaced out seven, I'm so the, I don't expect you to double me up more than twice. Well, if there's one thing that I know, one but, of us uh, knows to, music, so uh, I think our taste should be quite different. Yeah, and that's <laughs> that's not this guy. <laughs> so, yeah, a nice a nice flip from Christmas movies, yeah, of which I know nothing. So, to kick it off, we'll start by getting the bottom dwellers out of the way, and we'll say, 
our least favorite Christmas song at the exact same time. Count of three. Yep. Three, two, one. Jingle Baby bells. Baby is cold outside. Nope. <laughs> Jingle bells? Come on. Baby, it's cold outside? This is already. We're not on the same page at all. State uh, your case. Baby, it's cold outside is basically the sexual harassment anthem of the 20th century. There is no way to twist it. The only way to twist it, we watched this movie on Netflix, and it was not a good movie. Uh, I got to look out what it was, but they did like a remix of it, and it was it was a it was like a, a woke remix, and basically the entire time the guy singing is like, "I'll call you a cab, <laughs> let me help you I've put your jacket one. on." Like, I think John Legend did something like that. Did he? He's so his his voice yeah. is chocolatey smooth. Um. I cannot remember the name. I'll, I'll pull it up for the end of this. But, uh, yeah, just really just an awful song and and um, not enjoyable by pretty much anybody with musical taste. But, but Jingle Bells, a classic. Even, even when someone like one of, the, one of the Power Four, like Bing, sings it, you're still out? Mm-hmm. Listen, there's a way that any song can be done correctly. Okay. Right. Uh, you give it to the right person. Like, think about DMX doing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Right? Yeah, it was fantastic, yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, it was right? wonderful. Right? And like Rudolph, it's a kid's song. Rest in peace. Good. Here's the thing. Jingle Bells is... It automatically makes me think of the Batman Smells variation. Yeah. And yeah. I place it into this... Uh, this way too kitschy the original version is not that great and you can pick like just a truly awful song but for a song to be the worst it's not just about it being bad music it is about it being heard frequently so it's not just bad but it is like commonly annoying And let's be honest, when was the last time you asked Alexa or Siri to fire up Jingle Bells? Like, man, I just want to hear Jingle Bells. Like, I'm not going to hate on Jingle Bells because I happen to think it's fantastic. So, okay. we just got around. I don't ask them specifically. You know, well, that, so it reminds I hear what me. You're saying with Baby It's Cold Outside, but it's a nice duet. And I like to think it was formed in a simpler time. <laughs> But, you know, stay woke, kids. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not out here to start a, a fight for, like, 1950s chauvinism yeah. on this podcast. So when you said, when are you asking Siri or somebody to fire something up? So the other day, I'm in the kitchen. The boys are eating breakfast, and I'm, it's cold outside. I'm feeling the spirit, so I'm like, I say, hey, hey I'm halfway across the kitchen. Hey, Siri, play Christmas Classics. Siri doesn't even light up. I'm like, what? Maybe there's an echo. It couldn't hear me. I step a, f- a couple steps closer. Hey, Siri. Uh, play play Christmas music. Nothing happens. I'm like, what in the... Is this thing, on, is this thing plugged in? So I get real close to it. Twice, third time is not a charm. Third time I'm pretty pissed off because technology is not working. Nice. As I get close and Everett's watching my next move, I realize that I'm talking to an Alexa, not a Siri. 
And I look at Everett and say, I've been calling Alexa Siri. That's why she's not listening to me. Let me apologize. (laughs) (laughs) And I almost felt ashamed having to then ask Alexa to play Christmas classics. This is not my shiniest moment. It's 2021, man. I'm sure. uh, I'm actually surprised that she wasn't programmed to make a quip. Yeah. At that sort of a request. I heard you requesting so-and-so. Did you mean? No. All right, Tommy. In order to decide who goes first in this draft, I'm looking for a Christmas quiz question. And if you get it right, then you will go first. Okay. I like the pressure. Go ahead. And since we're going with music here, Elvis isn't going to have a white Christmas. He's going to have a blank. I mean, blue Christmas. Okay. You're already strong. It was it almost too obvious. Yeah. Come on. I mean, I'm sure Elvis has a version of white Christmas, but... Look, I tried to keep it in your lane. I wasn't going to ask you something, doesn't, although this would have been good. I, I, I know how much you have seen A Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, how many ghosts show up? That's, that's a trick, almost a trick question. There's four, right? It is. Yes. There is four. Cratchit. Yeah. Cratchit is so the anyways. first ghost. Man, I should have just been... Hitting you a Christmas trivia, like you're just crushing well, it. I'm a man about Christmas. Man. And I- <laughs> Mistletoe and Hollies. Well, I'll go first right. then. Let me go first with my top pick. And um, I can't wait to hear it. First round pick. First round pick. The, the number one overall. This is the banger. And I, and I I don't know about you, but I went specific to artists or bands, uh, not just I general songs. Okay, well I'm going to go right in with the one. It would be White Christmas by The Drifters. Most commonly heard, or for our generation, would be remembered from the Home Alone scenes right before he puts his hands on his face with the aftershave. It's This song allows the bass guy and the tenor guy, or whatever, the high-pitched guy, it allows both of those guys to have center stage where they're normally just making some random noises. And uh, when he when he comes in in the second verse with that really high-pitched voice and he's like, dreaming. Makes, makes you think anybody could be a professional singer. <laughs> so <laughs> White Christmas by The Drifters is my number one. I'll listen to it start to finish every time. I'm disappointed just because I wanted White Christmas to belong to Bing. I'm a Bing Crosby guy. Uh, look, with a name like Bing, you just can't go wrong. The, at some point, Bing was like, hey, guys, I do these really good other songs. And they were like, you shut your mouth. You get back in the booth no. and you re-record White Christmas. <laughs> you sing White Christmas again. <laughs> and you, you sing the word white so deep and smooth that you're barely saying anything at all. Exactly. Why? <laughs> I actually, I think on your on your uh, recommendation, I watched the uh, oh, I watched White Christmas last year, f- start to finish for the first time. Delightful. 
It is. It's fantastic. Eyes as blue and there's deep as the ocean. Better than like, there's nothing better than like men on the the World War military front singing a musical yeah. and putting on a play for their fellow troops to like keep the spirits up. It's it's like yeah, this is probably how it went down. It's so far fetched. It's so believable. <laughs> and then like, what saves the day when? When a ski ranch is going out of business because it's unseasonably warm, another musical. This general we'll who was great plane. at throwing musicals together. <laughs> it's kind of like when they try to save uh, Average Joe's Gym and Dodgeball with an impromptu car wash. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> they're just great fundraising <laughs> ideas. Oh, man. All right, pick one dot two. All right, my pick. Um, look. I can see a world where music snobs will say this is a controversial pick. But I'm taking somebody who has five octave range and a song whose popularity is undeniable, albeit ubiquitous in our time. And I'm going with Mariah Carey and All I Want for Christmas. I I don't even... I have no qualms with this. It is the LeBron James of this draft um it's the superman of the hero world it's like whatever you want to compare it to it's got maybe because it's so common it gets a little underrated for like the musical ingenuity it has but it's got a dreamlike quality in the in the harmonies that puts together and you can't help but let it just stick in your head when you've heard it once. It's there all day. And yet, because it's a seasonal song, you're not really bothered by that because you get to forget about it, and then it comes back with all that earworm power. And you're like, oh, you again. It's, it's not bad. It's, uh, and look, one of the things I love about Christmas is you go back to a time, like on repeat, whether you're like going back to your parents' house or you're going back to your childhood or you're eating a meal you only eat around this time, like having a song that becomes like, I only listen to it now, that's exactly what you're looking for. And this one just has the most power. It's got energy. It's got chutzpah. It does. I actually listened to a podcast. I listened to a podcast on it. I'm trying to, it was last year and I'm trying to remember what the name of the podcast was. It's, it'll probably never come to me. But there's actually some, like, science, musical theory behind why, like, this song works so well. And it's all in the chord progression. Um, I looked it up while you were... Is there any any chance that podcast is called 60 Songs That Explain the 90s? I don't think that was it. But it might... might, it 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 was a podcast where they featured another one. Which is why I probably have no way to recall it, um, hmm. like how it was made or something like that, right? But the song is, I guess, it's like um, it's like a it's like a such a chord sequence with, with the bells, and it starts with the chorus, which is something that like good songs, good hook songs do. They start with the chorus, so yeah, yeah, I, I you know, it, you can't hate it, and um, if you do, you don't know music, so. I'm in. So this is, I'm guessing this there is a, so real quick before, before we do the round two, 
I guess this is a snake draft, so you'll go next. But the oh, uh, are we snaking it? Yeah, why not? The um, ah. the the movie that we watched where they redid um, the worst Christmas song uh, of all time. Maybe it's cold outside. Was love hard? Love hard on Netflix. Oh uh, yeah, Katie watched this without me while I was out of town. Yeah, you know, not a great Any movie. Good? Not a bad movie. Simple, playful. Probably about twenty-five minutes too long. You know, you can start to see the ending, and you're like, "Well, this should have already ended." So, anyway, round two. All right, I'm taking number two, and a wait, hard wait, departure. Wait, pause. From... You're taking a number two. Yeah. <laughs> Taking a number two. Um, honestly, one of my favorite parts of the day. Yep. And I'm taking a hard departure from Mariah Carey and dipping back into classic borderline hymn. I don't actually know what qualifies something to be a hymn, but this is one we sang in church a lot. And it's Oh Holy Night. Hmm. Uh, particularly if you need to put an artist on there, Josh Groban does a great Christmas album. Groban. And I think yeah. you want someone with Groban-esque power. Yeah. When you do Oh Holy Night, because you need the fall on your knees. Yeah, yeah you need exactly what you don't like, have. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'll put a music bed behind that. It'll sound great. Mm. <laughs> But that that big, that big powerful delivery right there in the middle to get to the the O night divine, it's like, you know, this isn't this. There's no way this is true for everybody. But for somebody who was again going back to the nostalgia of Christmas and raised in like the fundamental Christian reason for the season, mm-hmm. like I like to I like to dip into the the God-adjacent power of my Christmas music. Oh, man. And, like, get into a time when, like, this is this is bigger than than me or anybody. It's world-uniting. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I, yeah. I, I can think oh, about singing that song, um, trying to, like, <laughs> you know, as a kid, trying not to be gung-ho about the presence and trying to remember that I'm in church and like that song could entrap me and keep me focused on, like you said, the, the Christian reason for the season. I especially love the part where it jumps up and it goes, Oh night. And it just goes back up and it's like that. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. And if you can, and if you hit yeah. that one, and- I'll get chills every time, every time. And that's that's exactly like the other type of people I imagine would sing like crush this song would be like the Celine Dion's, the Meatloafs, the the Lady Gaga's of the world. Like yeah. they would, they'd be great. Real singers, real singers. Yeah, you need you need some real juice to make this one work. I don't think I really want to hear Maroon Five sing Oh Holy Night." So, no. Well, you know, I, we'll stay right with the, um, I don't know if this is, also if this is not a him or a her, but 
Joy to the World, and specifically by the man Nat King Cole, with maybe the most Christmas name ever. Um, uh, I don't know what it is. For some reason, I have one of these. Anytime that song comes on, there was a moment when I was probably, I don't know, between 17 and 22, probably. I was driving at my hometown after Christmas. That song came on, and it was like, instantly made me feel nostalgic for my past and the moment I was in. And every time it comes on, it does the same. And it's like a minute and 20 seconds long. Like It just packs a punch. And there's... Mm. For a song that, again, celebrates the, you know, Christian reason for the season, right? Joy to the world. You actually feel, you can feel the joy just coming out of his mouth. You can just feel it. And so, for that reason, Nat King Cole, Joy to the World is my 2.2 pick. Strong. Yeah. No, I can't. No arguments here. You can't, can't uh, argue old Nat. I, well, I specifically love the brevity of the song. Absolutely. doesn't try to be anything it's not. It's like, no. I'm not here for a long time. I'm here for a good time. <laughs> it's like the <laughs> musical version of The Old Man in the Sea. Like, can you even get away with writing an 80-page novel these days? Nope. You know? Yeah. It's like, eh, maybe make it a PDF, brother. What's what's the saying? I got a fifty-page letter from somebody, and it said, "Hey, sorry for the long, sorry for the long letter. I didn't have the time to write you a short one." Hmm. I like that. Yeah. It's heavy. Write, write that one down. It. Write that one down. So <laughs> I so on. Uh, my next song, three dot one. There's a lot of ties. For me, to Home Alone, I don't know. Very impressionable movie, but Brenda Lee, Rocking Around the Christmas Tree. Oh, I like this pick. There is nothing about this song that that sucks. From the second it comes on, you are ready to rock around that tree, which is kind of weird because I think probably in most households, the tree was in a corner somewhere, so you could probably just, uh, I don't know, rock crescent the Christmas tree, (laughs) but... Wherever she was, the tree was in the center of the room, and they were absolutely rocking around it. And, and I love a, a, you know, a strong woman in probably, what, the 50s, maybe 60s, who just broke onto the scene in rock and roll and just did the thing. Well, whilst Bing yeah, was singing... It. yeah, when, when was that? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess 62. I'm checking her out. 64. Oh, that was close. We were all over it. It's a little close. A little, little early. But yeah. Yeah, it has always stuck with me. Uh, this will bridge into mine. You will get a sentimental feeling when you hear voices singing, let's be jolly. Mm-hmm. Deck the halls with boughs of holly. I've never even known what it means to deck the halls with boughs of holly. Other than just like hollies all over the place. Yeah. And that does make me feel jolly. And I do get a sentimental feeling. I think what I'm saying is the song is true, no matter how much it rocks. It, you're right. But question for you, have you or family or adjacent family ever actually decorated with holly? <clears throat> I don't actually know. Uh, we use garland. That's, that is not holly. What, what is holly exactly? You know what a holly tree is? Have it's you like decorated the, with holly? 
from the country, man. You know we decorated with holly. We did one time. My my dad threw. Oh sure. My, my dad. No, I yeah. take it back. Now that I'm looking at a picture of it, my grandma was a proficient hall decker. Was she the original? With the bows. W- would you call her the original Holly Berry? Because uh, no. no, we 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 had a party. So there was my, my dad bought a farm that was under like this historical easement, and the house was built in like. 1783 still standing definitely haunted i've only stayed there one time because it's so terrifying but he had like um uh charles dickens style christmas party one year with like all of our family you're talking about 12 brothers and sisters plus all of their kids plus their kids and in a lot of cases their kids 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 and it was decorated as if we were like the cratchits and uh nice yeah. So the, the theme of the party was poverty? Yeah. yeah. So we decorated with holly. <laughs> and nice. I, I'm realizing something. I need to jump back into the um, the fact checking. The first ghost was not Bob Cratchit. That was his accountant. The first ghost was Jacob Marley. And I'm really ashamed that I said Bob Cratchit. I'm really sad about this. It's okay. Please forgive me. All right. You, Pod world. You got it back. Are you going this year to... Uh Christmas Carol, you know Raleigh? it. You know it, absolutely. Yeah. Why do I even ask? Yeah, the tradition lives on. It lives on, man. One day we'll get you there. My number three. I'm gonna go with a tune called "Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas." Mm. My favorite version, sang by Frank Sinatra. Mm-hmm. Um, because here's the thing. All Christmas songs are about two things. It's either about this is awesome, it's Christmas, or it's about man, I miss that Christmas feeling. Mm-hmm. And even people in Christmas are still longing for what Christmas once meant to them. You know, have yourself a merry little Christmas. Uh... I think it's a sad song. And I think that a lot of the best Christmas songs are sad songs. The, uh, what's the line? We will all be together if the fates allow through the years. You know, it's like, This is this kind of becomes true as you get through the years. Like when you're a kid, like it seems so condensed. Like Christmas is everyone who's loved. And as you get older, like that feeling starts to slip away. And I kind of like accepting some of the sadness of the season too. Yeah. I think a lot of people try to edge that out. And maybe most people don't even think of Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas as a sad song. But, you know. Your troubles will be miles away. It's definitely somebody who's like going through it and he's just seeking a season of reprieve. Yeah, I never thought about it that way, but you're right. And and for me, that kind of rounds things out, you know? I'm I'm looking for like a unified theory of top five Christmas songs. I need a little sadness. Even all I want for Christmas is kind of about longing, you know? Yeah, you need the yin to the yang. For sure. 
Um, speaking of so anyways, like things, that's my of, number three. things of the past, did, uh, you almost surely did this. Okay, it's Christmas morning. You open your gifts. Let's say you're, say you're ten. Do you call your best friend's house phone and tell them everything you got? <laughs> uh, no, because my best friend at that time lived right across the street. Mm-hmm. So we convened later in the day. Ah, uh, okay. And we looked. In, well, in, it was like a back and forth thing. In rural America. <laughs> you, you, had you were call, dialing it in. You had call, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't, there wasn't a kid that lived within four miles of me. So, yeah. We were, besides my brother, mm. who when you're 10 and he's six, you're not really friends. No. Sort of, sort of enemies, really. Like, <laughs> like solid business contacts. <laughs> what? Uh, Good morning. When you think back on childhood Christmas, what's like the gift that jumps out at you? Like when I got this gift, like that was the best Christmas ever. For me, it was probably soup the Super Nintendo. Oh man, the Super Nintendo. Very I was. And um, coincidentally, it was also the same year that the belief ended in the big fat man. <laughs> so I, because of because of what the gift was. No, no, my grandma. <laughs> mm. So like it was one of those things where like we had a we would put a, a chair in the hallway and you couldn't come down the hallway until the chair was gone. So you wake up fifteen times a night to see if the chair's there. And I snuck past and looked and I saw it and I was like, we got it. We got it. And then later in the day, my grandma says, yeah, I, I got you that Madden game you wanted because your parents had said they got you that the Super Nintendo. And Thanks, Grandma. a few tears later, I came to reconciliation with it. But, you know, you know, 16, she, she 16 was a hard year. Yeah, 16 is a hard age, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, for me, it was the Sega Genesis. Yeah. Do you have Aladdin for Sega Genesis? Did you get Aladdin? Oh, yeah. That was a great game. Yeah. Great game. Throw any apples at people? Disney was actually dropping some bangers. The uh, Lion King for Sega Genesis, also very solid. I did not have Sega, so I don't remember Lion King, but I, I may, maybe I do. Aladdin just, just was very vivid for me. It was one of my favorite Disney movies, yeah. so maybe that's why. I don't know. It was great. All right, Snake. Yeah, and... Snakes. Oh, snake. yeah, is it me again? I don't know no snakes. I am going to do something that I actually feel guilty about. Uh-oh. It's, it's a controversial selection. I'm going with Trans-Siberian Orchestra, Christmas Eve, Sarajevo. Um, when I first heard this song, it was like... I mean, it might as well have been like Metallica put out a Christmas <laughs> album. Yeah. It was powerful, and I loved it. And uh, it's, I think if, if I was just like truly trying to go for like the best five songs ever, maybe I wouldn't be uh, tiptoeing this in with guilt. It just wouldn't be on the list. Yeah. But when I'm just trying to, like, round out what I want to hear in Christmas time, like, I'm going to fire up 
the orchestra, and I'm gonna let them bring some power into the house. Like you can't play it soft. No, it's got to be on eleven. And, and I like getting absurdly into it, <laughs> as if like thrash metal is destroying my face. As and it's like so juxtaposed with traditional Christmas mood that it just it gives me my own set of jollies. Look, I'm not even gonna say anything about it except to say that's a great pick, and I'm sad I, that wasn't even on my draft board. It's oft forgotten because it, it doesn't it doesn't really fit a genre, so it doesn't make it onto many of like the, the Spotify playlists, does it? Nah. You're not gonna find it on Christmas That's classics. Sad. You're just not going to. Nope. But I love it and I couldn't get through the season without just like blaring it once. I feel like if I wasn't training for this marathon, I'd wanna get it like really rocking. And go for like a squat PR, a Christmas miracle <laughs> on the squat. Uh, it would either work really well, or you would get to the bottom of this of said squat and just laugh at your own buffoonery and drop the weight. <laughs> it's gonna go one way or the other. Hey, gonna roll the dice. I'm trying to tap into something primal. Yeah, I mean, you know, you could say you 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 got it at the North Swole. My fourth, yeah. my fourth yeah. round pick. You're solid today. You, I'm feeling. Yeah. I mean, Holly Berry, the <laughs> North Swole, the North Swole. <laughs> um, Good stuff. You might not even know this song that I'm about to pick. This is my sleeper pick, and I know if you know this song, you're a real one. The song is "Fairy Tale of New York" by The Pogues. You ever heard the song Ooh. before? I don't think I have. It's like uh, it's like to me. It sounds like first generation, maybe second generation Irish uh, people singing about the tough winters and the joy of being in New York City. And it just has this rough Irish, you know. It's it's a cold, harsh winter, but we're still celebrating. And how amazing it is that we're in New York City. And it's just got a great feel to it. So the Pogues. Man, that's solid. I'm jealous. Because I'm looking at the lyrics and I already like the uh, I like the vibe. I want you to give this one a it's listen. Like a gritty Christmas. Very gritty. Very gritty. I want you to give that a listen after this podcast and tell me how that tell me how that lays down on you. Yep, I'll do it. All right. Rounding out my top five. I have to do this because they are probably my favorite band of all time. And I have very fond memories of staying up for the HFS, which was our rock station in the D.C. area. They'd do their top nine at nine. And around the holidays, they would do their top nine Christmas at nine. And I knew my parents wouldn't let me buy their CD because there was too much cussing on it. So I would record this one song on a tape. I would dub it. I'd put it in my Walkman, and I would play this bad boy until the tape broke. And that song is Blink-182, I Won't Be Home for Christmas. Uh, If you did not like Blink-182, you will think this is a terrible song because by all accounts, it is actually a pretty terrible song. But it just hits me. 
it, it gives me that feeling of, you know, 13, 14 years old, starting to have the feels. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it just, it just hits me right every time. You know this song, yes? I won't be home for Christmas, Blink-182. I have an like ambient memory of this song. Mm, okay. So I'm not surprised that you picked it because I don't know if I knew that Blink-182 was your favorite band, but I had like a, it's like not a su- shell memory. It's not surprising, right? Like it's not surprising. No. The number of fart jokes I make, like no. it's clearly it was Jim Carrey. And Blink-182 was, was really priming my youth. And I don't... I just remember enjoying the Blink-182 Christmas music. But, like you said, I was probably of the age. I haven't heard it in years, and I'm sure if I fired it up, I'd be like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But just like the Pogues, I am going to put this one on, give it a spin, and I'll report back. Let me know. So I can't criticize it. The, uh, man, I like your list. Well, we'll recap here in a second. Yeah. Oh, my number five. Um, I'm going to put this in the live performance category. Oh, I know where this is going About- already. <laughs> I know where it's going. The Carol of the Bells. The Carol of the Bells. Oh, no, that's not where I thought it was going. Keep going. Okay. Let me hear what you thought before I get into my bit. Uh, <laughs> Where did you think I was going with live performance? Well, I know you're a big fan of the boss. Oh, I definitely thought about <laughs> Santa Claus coming to town. <laughs> yeah, when he's laughing at the end because clearly Santa Claus is probably doing something stupid on stage. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, he loves it. And look, I it it's on my it's on my honorable mentions. Here okay, okay. Because well, hit- I did. I definitely listen to that song every Christmas. Okay, okay. But, no, it's Carol of the Bells, because about once a year in a church service, like, particularly when I was going to school at Asbury, like, who the heck actually plays the handbells? Like, no one you know ever. And yet we'd get to Christmas, and there would be, like, some group of girls who would just figured it out and they're like running up and down the table grabbing their little bells nailing it and it sounds awesome Uh, and it's impressive to watch and I think they even do this in some movies like a little girl figuring out how to play Carol of the Bells like on her own and it's it's like a big emotional thing but I'm failing to remember exactly where that comes from but either way, I always love watching it. I always love hearing it. And whenever you do hear the Carol of the Bells, like Home Alone, it's in there, there it too, is, right? Yeah. Like, wh- whenever you hear Carol of the Bells coming on, like, you know stuff is going down. It's an intense. It's like, going to be intense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you're you're dipping into the dream sequence of the Christmas There it season. is. Yep. So, you know, I've I've got... So we'll recap. Uh, your top five, which is almost certainly a more enjoyable listen now that I'm looking at it, is White Christmas by the Drifters, Joy to the World by Nat King Cole, Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree by Brenda Lee, 
Fairy Tale New York by the Pogues, and I Won't Be Home for Christmas by Blink 182. That is an eclectic list. Yeah. You should feel proud. I do. I feel very proud, actually. Music, music spanning the decades, cultures, traditions. There we go. Man, the holidays bringing people together. My list is All I Want for Christmas by Mariah Carey. Oh Holy Night, preferably Josh Groban. Uh, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, Frank Sinatra. Christmas Eve, Sarajevo by the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. (laughs) The only song that takes about 45 people to play. (laughs) And Carol of the Bells by your local church performer. (laughs) Where did they get all these bells and why are they wearing gloves? (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. Like, why do you need... 58 handbells lying around, like just in case we ever want to put together a chorus of handbells. It's almost as strange as if you saw somebody and you're like, why is that person so sick on the xylophone, man? (laughs) Exactly. It's hyper specific. Yo, dude. I love that there's like. Go get the steel drum. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to knock out a song here. Get the steel drum. I love the elements of playing the handbells where not only do you have to like ring them in perfect time. But, like, do I do it slow for a certain beat? Or do I do it quick to really get, like, that ping in there? And then you have to set them down gently so the the sound quelches. Yeah. Do I need it it to, like, diminish right away and I have to, like, clamp it? Or do I kind of leave them hanging over here while I grab some more bells with my pinkies and my ring fingers (laughs) so I can play them overlapping on each other? It's... Yeah, it's super weird, and I love it. I think tomorrow I'm going to spend a little bit of time on YouTube looking up best Carol of the Bells performances, because I'm really intrigued. Dude, you know there's somebody, like, doing a dope version of it on Good Morning America in 97. Yep, yep. Here are some quick honorable mentions, and I I only have two. And uh, one of them is one of the original rockers, Elvis, Blue Christmas. I mean... He just really, he just really nails it. And then um, I was always a big Beach Boys fan my whole life. I don't know what it was about the Beach Boys. And uh, Little Saint Nick by the Beach mm. Boys. So there's a, there's a lot of rock flair to my uh, to my list here. I'm okay with that. Let's see. That's not bad at all. And honestly, that's kind of the way like I like my Christmas. It's the coolest version of Christmas. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with two honorable mentions from polar ends of the spectrum. Uh, one being as hailed and respected as you can get, and one being a complete joke. The This is putting aside Bruce Springsteen, whose Christmas album is well worth anyone's time. Um, the hailed and respected thing handles Messiah. I mean, an opus of Christmas majesty. It's it's worth the call out. We had to learn the whole thing when I was in like second grade as a choir piece, and it is long and ridiculous and awesome all at the same time. And the number of times you sing hallelujah over each other, you know, like 
hoping the sixth graders can bring the bass as, <laughs> as we second graders, second graders are hitting the high hallelujahs. Uh, I don't know that I've just the fact that, I don't know that I've ever heard this song before. Oh man, yeah, you'll recognize it when you hear it. It was composed in the 1700s. It's got some staying power. It's got some staying power. That's what I'm saying. Like when it was put together, I mean, it was it was considered a triumphant tapestry of of vocal music. So, you know, lock in. <laughs> and enjoy. It's okay at best. The but it deserves just for like the sheer audacity. It deserves a call out. And then on the joke side of things, the Christmas song that just gets into my bones and if I'm being honest really speaks to me at a real level about I don't know, something about Christmas consumerism and it's Christmas is All Around by Billy Mack from the movie Love Actually. Oh, yes. What a great movie. And what he's done is he's taken the song Love is All Around and he's replaced the word love with the word Christmas. Mm-hmm. And it works. They, they squeeze in an extra syllable. And it shouldn't work, but no. hey, what a, we're what about a, making a dollar this season. What a great movie and a great call out because last year was the first year I ever watched that movie, and I was really happy that I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a good Christmas flick. There's no way around it. It's cheesy. Yeah. It's the type of movie you can only really enjoy because it's Christmas, and it yeah. knows that about itself. Mm-hmm. You know, the number yep. of times it says because it's Christmas, it's like, OK, yeah, I'll let you I'll let you do these silly story tropes you're doing. And it's, I'm I'm here for it. It's it's like it's the equivalent of like the History Channel's aliens documentary. They're like, well, how did it get there? Well, because aliens. It's like, well, yeah, there we go. What else do you need to know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Accept it and enjoy the rest of this. <clears throat> All right. We'll get the list up. Can't wait to can't wait to hear music people enjoy your list and you know the real ones enjoy mine. Handel's Messiah is pulled up, so should we hit our sec our, our segments? <coughs> you know what we ought to do is go ahead and put the put the top ten on a Spotify playlist and get it out there. Hey, why not? Yeah, here we go. Right? Yeah, full service. Gotta gotta feed the content monster. All right, segments. Yes, I'm ready. The we're not really strangers. Self reflection edition. Uh, our question of the week is: What have my past relationships taught me about myself, good and bad? What have my past relationships taught me about myself, good and bad? You want to uh, you want to kick it off, or have you had time to process? This? Yeah, I've, I've had some time to let this one marinate, and I'll be quick. It's... Normally, we, we normally we go on and on on these ones, but for the sake of time, I'll be quick. So I think um, from a you know bad, I don't know the you know, the the not so good side. 
I think they highlighted how much I sought after and in a lot of cases required external validation in some form to be accepted, to be thought of as something as cool or to have it together or to be considered smart or successful or something, but always from other people. And um, still, let's, you know, it's something that I work through on a probably regular basis, like, you know, recognizing that it's not what, you know, others project on me, but what I feel about myself. So I think other relationships have highlighted that mostly because when those relationships were no longer available, I could feel sort of a void or at least like I didn't know where to take that need or that requirement. You know, if if that makes any sense. It does. So that's probably on the, on the, you know, on the, on the, on the bad side of the spectrum on the good side, I think, you know, uh, that, um, past relationships have, have sort of shown me that you can move on. If that makes any sense. So like, you feel like, oh, well, you know, that we're this, that, or the other, and therefore we have to be in this, that, and, and, it, and it's, I guess maybe more so, it's probably a better way to put it, is that relationships are pliable. And, you know, I can even look at mine and your relationship, and super close, pretty distant, super close. And it's never really been like, oh, I hate that guy, or I don't like him, or I'm probably not going to be friends with him. It was just sort of like, it's just the wave of life. And when, when you're riding the same wave, you end up in a good, you know, and who's to say that, you know, life won't take different turns and we'll go separate ways again. You know, you never know. Someone moves, whatever. So I think, you know, on the bad side, again, it's, it's that, you know, placing a lot of value on external validation and on a good side that relationships have a fluidity to them. And that's actually a good thing and a healthy thing. And it's okay. Yeah, I I do want to respond because I think like the fluidity of the relationship is interesting. Did you watch the show The Good Place? We we watched a few seasons of it. Yeah, we didn't get all the way through. We liked it, but yeah, no. Towards the very end, uh, there's a philosophical quote about basically kind of like, is this real? Does it matter? And I. You know, like, how do we weigh what we mean to each other? And one of the characters says, picture a wave in the ocean. You can see it, measure it, its height, the way the sunlight refracts, and then it crashes on the shore, and then it's gone. It's like, was the wave this real thing? Did it matter? Uh, I think about that sometimes with, like, these with past relationships, friends, like the way that even relationships with like family members morph over time. And it's hard sometimes to value what they were in the context of what they currently are. And yet they're all part of the greater body of water that is your life. Mm-hmm. And and just because they're not the most prominent aspect of 
your current context doesn't mean there wasn't like weight and significance to the time where they were more prominent. And so I kind of like remembering that as on the whole. Uh, but I like that a lot. The The fluidity of relationships is important, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it, it's funny. That kind of brings me... Well, first, thank you for sharing. Yeah, man. And that does bring me to what I think is the lesson, the most significant lesson for me, what I was taught, good and bad. And I think more than other people, like I am a real... You could say victim of circumstance if you wanted to be pessimistic about it. I'm just susceptible to context, like extremely so. Like I, like the the present moment to me always feels overbearingly important. Like who's right in front of me? What are we doing now? To the point where like, if if I had people that I owed things due to our friendship, I'd blow it off. I'm doing this right now, and this is really important. So that might be like, you know, you don't call when you say you will, or you don't meet up with a buddy at the time, like you're, you're late, right? Because I was doing something else. And I think it made me a really easy person, like if you're the person with me in the moment, like I think it's one of the things like people appreciated about spending time with me is like I'm, I'm there. I'm like I'm locked into this moment. And it's one of the things that made me a really crappy person to be like more significantly attached to, to be relying on mm-hmm. for any sort of like emotional well-being of your own is because like, look, I'll give it to you on my time. Right. I'll give it to you when I'm there for that. So... I think anyone listening can read into like all the crappy aspects of a friend or a boyfriend that that would be of a spouse. You know, some of these lessons I didn't even learn from past relationships, right? They they come from my current relationship. Uh, but I think, I think that lesson has been so hugely important for me, like the most vital thing. And it's like such a good thing to know about yourself. It's not that that makes you a bad person. You just have to know how to manage that aspect of your relate of your personality and how to twist it to benefit your relationships. Uh, So now like I have to be very proactive about like, it's part of the reason I, have so much trouble adapting to a change in schedule mm-hmm. now is I used to not be scheduled. I didn't care at all about like plans. I've cautioned to the wind, but like I hurt myself enough and I hurt others enough by just being so loosey goosey and unreliable that now I'm, I'm very married to the plan. Yeah. And when the plan gets shifted on me, I feel emotional stress because I'm reliant on it. Yeah. Like I need to know that that my day is going to unfold this way so that I'm effective. And I, I dude, I had the silliest example of this. It just happened on Sunday. Uh, I'm planning on going to a basketball game. I think it's just going to be me. And I'm going to get in the car and I'm going to open up my email 
and I'm going to look at the address of where the game is, and then I'll drive to that address. Mm-hmm. It's at a different gym. Kind of in the last 10 minutes, Katie's like, oh, yeah, me and me and the kids are going to come with you, which was an offer we'd talked about, but we hadn't confirmed. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I thought they were going to stay there. And so now they're coming, which was totally fine. But because the plan had changed, I... I didn't get my stuff together. I didn't look up the address. I was like, oh, it's the YMCA in Garner. And it wasn't. We drove to the wrong gym. And then I looked up the address when I was there. And then we drove to the right gym. And I couldn't figure it out. I'm like, I'm like stressed out. I'm talking to Katie. I'm like, what is wrong with me? Like, why didn't I just look up the address? I knew that I wasn't sure. Yeah. But like the moment the plan changed on me, like my conscientiousness and my ability to like make a very sound basic decision out the window. That's wild. And I've yeah. kind of always been that way. I don't know I don't know what it is. So it's like I don't know. It's a good thing to know, I guess. Uh but I also agree with all the things you said too. Those those are I think the more obvious things that other people could benefit from. But yeah, and for me it's it's context is king. Like shape the moment so that the moment doesn't shape you. Mm, yeah. Well, thanks for sharing, dude. I like that. Yeah. All right. Recommendations. Mine is easy. I'm going to, it's either going to be a double down or a triple down because I'm that enthralled in it. And it's going to be HBO max or HBO succession. Wow. Have you guys stayed on that? Have you guys been on that train? We were literally having this conversation last night where I was like, we should, we should pick this back up. And Katie's like, I liked it. You got bored. I'm like, I know. I'm it's, sorry. Okay. It's, I, a little bit, it's a little slow. Some episodes are a little slow. <laughs> the, I, I don't know where you guys are, but the season finale of season three, I, I didn't sleep very well afterwards. My, like, I was sweaty. My hands were sweaty. It was, And for a show that doesn't have any real, like, action was good and it is good and it's when I describe it to people I'm like I don't know how to make it sound any better because it's not like things blowing up or you know glitzing it's just really intense personal people development and it's awesome succession I'm going to triple down on it and that's going to be the last time I recommend it till season 4 comes we're going to do it <clears throat> we'll watch it before season 4 happens yeah you will uh, I've, I've just heard too many good things so and good. look hey you don't have to recommend something to me five times watch me do I'll it pick though. it up after the. <laughs> I'll, I'll pick something up after a third recommendation um my recommendation is going to be i gotta get your recommendation down on the note done repeat rec for tommy uh my recommendation is Given, given what this podcast was mostly about, which was music, a podcast that is amazingly, I mentioned it earlier, 60 songs that explain the 90s. Uh, the host is Rob Harvilla, and he basically just picks a song from the 90s, uh, does a monologue essay about it. The guy's a great writer. I've enjoyed his writing for years. And then has an interview with somebody about the band and the song that they pick and you know traditionally like if he picks something like oasis's wonder wall 
what he's really talking about is like the the British rock movement yeah in the 90s and how bands like Oasis and Blur and others like came onto the scene and like really made a push for a while and like what was that all about so it's it's good it's entertaining and it's like the first thing in a long time that's made me think like hey I could be a music guy <laughs> I like this kind of I, I kind of like this pseudo literary thing where you like read the entire meaning of the world world through like your impression of a song yeah it's like it's about this thing that everyone knows about but really it's super egocentric it's about you and what the song made you feel mm-hmm. like that's the way i that's the way i like to process the world anyways i like this so i'm, I'm actually gonna i'm gonna but, start listening to it yeah they're fun man i i might have uh if i didn't i'm sorry but i might have sent you the one that's about blink 182 what's my what's my age again Mm-hmm. is the song he uses and it's all about like intentional immaturity <laughs> I think I think you'll understand it I'm right already away. in I'm already in I'm looking it up and I'm gonna I'm gonna start on it tomorrow love it alright guys hey 45 episodes in um, I'm gonna go ahead and predict that Tommy and I are gonna be somewhat sparse over the Christmas season yep we might get one more pod in but Cisco has a company shutdown. I'll be traveling. Uh, so maybe we get one more in, but I doubt I'm going to get anything in the week of the marathon in January. When is and that? Then you can bet I'm going to talk some more about running. When, when's Can't the wait. marathon? January 9th. All right. Hey, uh, to the, all the pod listeners, a collective good luck. We'll talk again. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure we will. Yeah, we get, Shit, if if we can secure the jog father week of the marathon. Oof. Just so some, I can that like could be some real gravy. You get need, my you, mind right. You need that juju, don't you? Yeah, that'll be good. We'll we'll get the oh, jog yeah. father. All right. All right, homie. Love you, brother. Love Talk you, brother. Talk to you later. See you, dude.